0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this new episode of the Economics Design Podcast. Today I'm super excited to have Edomar Amit from Illuvium with us. Uh we're gonna dive deep into what is Illuvium, what are they building, where the, what they have been through, and then what is potentially the future of Illuvium. Itmar is the chief architect at Illuvium. Um how about
1: we start by potentially introducing yourself, Imar. Uh thank you. So it's great to be here today. Um so my name is Tamar, and I'm going to use the term architect a lot, and the phrase architect, um, and it's very vague in the industry. So just as a understanding of what it is I do, um, an architect is someone who's responsible for converting ideas into technical solutions, as in someone has a great idea, someone, you know, think they can do something great, they just need to implement it. And I help this vision becomes the reality. Um, in our case, a technical reality. And this sort of problem solving of understanding people's dreams, you know, this this is me. This is my job. This is who I am. Um, in a less abstract sense, um, I've been I'm a mathematician by education. I'm an engineer by trade. I've been in the tech sphere for a long time, building all sorts of products and my journey is quite long it went through finitech and sports gaming and a variety of startups and i found myself at illuvium um through a lot of luck honestly i was curious about fox3 uh, just like many people you hear a lot, a lot about in the news in the you know 2017 2018 and i always wanted dip my toes in the water and the opportunity never presented itself. And then one day someone gave me a call and said, Hey, um, we are building Pokemon on the blockchain. Are you in? And you know, I had an, I I, I signed my name right there. I, I always want to be in games. I, I started programming when I was eight years old because I wanted to build games and that dream of mine never made it, you know. To, to, anything more than a dream because gaming is actually a very difficult industry to get into. It is very competitive. It is very hard work. You see the big companies like EA with like thousands, tens of thousands, even more employees, and these employees are not having a good time. It's, it's not a great place to be. So you either go big and you have a bad time or you go indie and you go hungry and Suddenly, this intersection of blockchain of web three and gaming meant that, A, it became quite lucrative, um, you know, back in 2020, 2021, like, yeah, those markets Those were beautiful days, yeah. Those were great days. So suddenly it wasn't an offer of like, go be a slave somewhere. It was like, hey, we have a real job for you. But also gaming souls, Traditionally, traditional gaming, you go, you play a game, you play like, you know, your God of War, you play your Elden Ring. The technical problems that are being solved in these games are to do with physics, with pathfinding, with AI. they are a very specific set of problems, very fun, very interesting, but not exactly my area of expertise. And when you introduce web three into the myth, suddenly you have Different problems. You have problems of syncing things between the blockchain and your game servers, uh, more financial things, more transactional problems. And having a lot of fintech experience, having built this sort of more financial systems, suddenly my skill set was highly relevant and I could go and join the industry that I really wanted to be part of and contribute meaningfully to it as well. So that's how I stepped into Illuvium about three years ago. And, you know, having looked back since, that's for sure. Amazing. That's actually a super interesting,
0: uh, path, uh, from like Web 2 to Web 3. Um, and, uh, pretty impressive actually coming from like the fintech, uh, with a passion for gaming and then merging your both passions. Uh, like it's almost a like year you found your icky guy, uh, in a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Without further ado, uh, how about we dive into the universe of Illuvium. Uh, Most people know a, a lot of things about Illuvium, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you guys have been building for the past two to three years.
1: So I will do my best to talk about what we're doing and separate it from what we want to do and what the vision is. Because while we do our best to keep all these three things aligned, sometimes they do divulge a little bit, they verge a little bit, sorry. And we do need to, I, I will try and do my best to actually say what we've been doing and then talk a little bit about what we want to do. Okay. So we, Illuvium was built on the very reasonable and very achievable dream of creating a web three ecosystem. From the get-go, we had this very ambitious vision of saying, we want to create multiple things that interact with each other. We think that this is what Web3 is all about. This interconnectivity, this feeding of one thing into another. And we set up to do it. We said, cool. One day people would, other companies would interact with what we're building. But for now in you know, order really emphasize the greatest Web3 to emphasize how this collaboration works, we will create multiple things that collaborate internally with each other. So the main game, and I'm gonna use the term main very loosely because other people inside the company might disagree with me, but the main game is the arena game. So we built a game, sorry, we're building in the process of building Uh, It went into a live beta a couple of weeks ago, but still in beta. He is an auto-battler, like auto-chess or um, TFT. It is a game where highly strategic, highly competitive, where you design a team of units, you set them on a board, and then you take a step back and see them fight on their own. There are multiple rounds, there are multiple rules, there are some... Um, run some cards some strategic decisions that you can make to change your deck over time but at the end of the day it's a very deterministic very skill based game and that's a core game and this is another core value of Illuvium, we wanted to be a studio, a gaming studio where games come first where we see a lot of esport potential here the fact that we signed Team Liquid to collaborate with us On this game really assists in really cementing this idea of this is this is real this is real esport and this product is meant to obviously appeal to the web3 players right we've got web3 gaming company and there are web3 components in it but it is also meant to appeal to a wider audience to web 2.0 players who don't care about none of this crypto stuff so we are also Pioneers in this industry, but we, we are trying to help the whole ecosystem by bringing Web 2.0 players into the Web 3.0 sphere. And then they'll enjoy our game. They might join, they might learn something new. They might say it's not scary or threatening. They might play other games. We are looking to onboard these players, not for our sake, but for everyone's sake. So this is our core. This is why I'm calling the main game arena. Um, but as I said, because we have multiple games and because different people inside the company, you know, they focus on another product. They might think that their game is the main, but from my point of view, our main game is Arena. All right, and that, yep. And in terms of where we're at with that, this was, it's built, it's stable, it's in beta. We still want to improve on it and iterate on it, but that, that's out. That's, you can go and download the game to Lubium.io, download it play it right now um also might be worthwhile you're not actually done on the game from us the game is hosted on the epic game store which again is we see is a huge vote of confidence that people can trust us we're on a mainstream game distribution where we are real project we're building a real game go see for yourself um our second game, which is currently enclosed closed beta, um, a lot of people saw it. There was a lot of exposure. Our beta, despite being closed, does include a fair amount of players. We just don't think the player experience is ready quite yet, which is why we haven't opened it. But that game is the overworld, which is what most people would have seen in our trailers because it's an amazing piece of art. The overworld is an open world that the players can go, they can explore, super vibrant. We have, I don't know, many tens of thousands of art hours have been spent into polishing every single rock that you can go through. There are multiple zones, multiple biomes that each have their own unique look and feel. And it's a beautiful exploration game. It's where players can encounter our units, our alluvials, and interact with them. It's where we spend a lot of time having all these fun exploration puzzles. So the experience is just not quite right. And we don't want people to be underwhelmed by an, a first impression, which just won't do justice to the amount of work and effort put into it. So that's coming out soon, early next year. Um, Thus so many videos. Streamers got some early access. You can go and look at it. Um, I think that I'm going to allude to what we might cover later about the direction, but it's just one of these things that has infinite potential. If you ever played the game and looked around and thought, I'm, "I can change this," if I was making this game, I would, you know, add a little bit of that or add a little bit of this. And I think that this is just where we're at at the moment, where we need to kind of. Decide on the direction and go with it, but the infinite possibilities. So it's hard to pick one. Um, so that's our second game. Um, our third game is Illuvium Zero, and I don't want to go too far in depth about the history behind it. Although if we we'll have time, it's a very interesting story. But Illuvium Zero is a mobile game, and In short, um, I want to say a couple of years ago, we were looking to release stuff to the community. We said, hey, we are still well away from having the game out because, you know, a couple of years ago, games take time. But we want our community to have something they can interact with in their hands. We want them to play something, to play with something, not just, you know, look at static assets, which we have been producing and releasing to showcase our progress, but, you know, Looking at pretty pictures, not a game. So we decided to create a mini game. And then, you know, too many brainstorming sessions later, we ended up with like a full, fully fledged mobile game, which is Illuvium Zero. So Illuvium Zero is a city building game. And you play it on your mobile device, you use an Illuvium LAN, which is an NFT which has been released. And you play on that land. You build buildings on this NFT effectively. Um it's super pretty. It's super addictive. I mean, we, we see the stats of people waking up in the middle of the night to just build another building on the plot because you know they have enough resources. So it's very satisfying to see how much the community loves that game and the interaction with it. So that's Illumin Zero and Again, I've now said before, super pretty. Our art team doesn't miss a bit. Everything they produce is amazingly like polished. It looks so good. I would recommend anyone with any interest to just go and have a look because it's just so pretty. Um, and lastly, our most recent game is called Glowing Beyond. Now, Glowing Beyond, is the most organic product I've ever seen, which is amazing. We wanted to um, interact with the community again and we want to do some sort of sale. I mean, everyone was selling PFPs, um, Board Apes were going crazy. And we have a lot of art assets. We have a lot of artists. We said, hey, let's leverage that. Let's allow our players to use the favorite alluvials. Um, as a profile picture. And, of course, we're an ambitious studio. We couldn't just say, like, yeah, cool, we're just going to sell something. Like, no, 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 this this is not how we work. We want to do something special, something a bit unusual, something that people haven't necessarily seen before. And what Beyond does is we sell people disks, which they can load and get the contents of. And these contain alluvial Portraits which come in some number of labels, but they also contain accessories. And both the portraits and accessories are NFTs which the player can bond together to put a hat on the exotol or, you know, put a necklace around the coca. And it gives a different level of interaction. It's something a bit different, a bit unique. It's not like the other uh, projects where you just get something random. You actually get a little bit more here, you get more interaction. And, well, and Beyond is the um, album game that is associated with it. So, just like back in the day, you might have had your album of Pokemon cards or some sports related cards, if that's what you were into, not judging. Um, then, Beyond it allows you to leave your um, Illuvitas, right, as your small PFPs, into different slots and say cool i have this necklace i have this portrait i have this expression and players can create albums showcase the albums showcase the collections and also get points based on the completion rate and how rare any single item in the collection is and the beauty here is that it just it felt so natural it felt so organic it was just like the games we used to play when we were younger, just collecting these cards and saving them and having these albums we carried around and showed our friends and traded. So we created a very similar experience with Beyond. And it's just so good because, again, we're a studio. We have full product. Full, full product and we want to do so much with all of them. And currently, it's just a matter of deciding on priorities. But Beyond is just another product where we can just take it in some different directions and that's so much to it. And hopefully we'll get to in the near future. Oh, this is
0: super impressive. I was, I was, uh, I was actually a soccer fan growing up. So I remember having my album with my favorite soccer players or football players for people in Europe. And, um, I, it, like, I, I even like have goosebumps remembering those days, like when I found Super rare cards, for example um and I, I I can't just like um, stress uh, enough uh how impressive uh, what you guys uh the things what you, that how impressive the things that you guys are building um because these different games are so different uh, that and as you mentioned a few times, your focus on the quality of the design on the art uh, side of things uh is there. it's impressive every time I saw, um, like a video from Illuvium, I was like, wow, this is next level. Uh, and you mentioned it as well games take time. A lot of people in Web3 rushed to launch games in just a few months. And they were like super bad quality and it hurt the whole industry. Uh, while you guys were there hyped from the beginning, but you kept building up until you were ready to release every piece at the at specific moment. Um, how was the How was the the navigation between the early days during the previous bull run, then going through the uh, bear-like cycle and now potentially getting uh, a new start of a bull run again.
1: So I just want to preface and say that we're very lucky. We hired a lot of people who are very skilled and very passionate. And it puts us in a position where we keep ourselves at check all the time because you know a small project might have less people they might be more aligned towards getting famous or getting rich or getting a product out there as soon as possible and you know when there are two or three people working on a project they they just you know they have an idea and they go with it and Illuvium because we're quite lucky early on, mm-hmm. and with our ICO, we're able to build quite a large team from the get-go. I mean, <laughs> large—couple dozen people, right? Like, uh, yeah, for three- us. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just don't want to think people to think that we have ten thousand people working in Luvia. This is not where we're at yet. Yet, but because you have those people who are passionate, not just about. Illuvium, but passionate about gaming in general, about Web3 in general, about art or about design. These people, they don't want the product to be sapa They don't want to go loud with something that they're not happy with, not proud of. So we're very lucky in that sense that we're keeping ourselves in check. And I mean, sure, sometimes you need to be pragmatic, but I think that if you look at the last three years, a lot of our decisions were done right and not knee-jerk reactions So this is why, if you're talking about the, the bull run versus, you know, the winter versus now, there isn't too much difference because we're very lucky that we were not stout for resources. We're able to build up during the bull run, which was very lucky. And then we're able to make sensible decisions that were well thought and well considered and we didn't we weren't forced to make any rush decision during the winter of course we definitely wanted to release something out asap but it's this constant conversation of saying yeah we want something as soon as possible but also we cannot let this compromise quality which is exactly why Overworld is currently in closed beta and not open beta because as much as we want people to have their hands around this amazing experience we made for them we also want to make sure that it's as good as possible it comes out and sure i think that a lot of people who might have worked tirelessly for the last two years would be disappointed by the fact that their game isn't out yet but also they want the game to be good they want the players to have the best experience possible and for those two years to not just be wasted on a mediocre experience, I fully agree. That, and I
0: love the no compromise on quality, uh, which is unfortunately not always the case in Web three gaming. Um, and um, the fact that you guys are on on the Epic Store um, is a, just a testimony to the quality what that what you've been building. So you're not just building something for a Web three gamer community. You're building something for gamers in general, Web 2 or Web 3 doesn't really matter, which is a good segue to my next set of questions. Um, How do you guys use the Web 3 technology uh, in the back end um, while being able to onboard Web 2 players, for example?
1: So we are looking in all directions for Web 3. We have, it is such a powerful tool and we constantly are on the lookout for new ideas to how to integrate with our games. But the core concepts, the gaming wise are using NFTs. So assets in our gaming ecosystem are NFTs. And our goal is to allow these NFTs to be useful across different games in our ecosystem. I mean, one day we might collaborate outside of ecosystem, but for now we are controlling what we can control, which is our own game. So if you look at beyond, for example, in beyond our card collecting game, each one of these cards is an NFT. Now, this is exciting because of all the NFT based, um, pros that you got, you know, you own it. You can control it. You can trade it. It's yours to keep. Um, this same Illubitar that you're using in this game to just as a sleeve is also your PFP. So you can set your PFP in Arena to your favorite Illubitar. And then in the leaderboard, that's it. That's you. That's what represents you. Whatever you know, portrait you want with up to five accessories. So, we have different backgrounds as well, different expressions, like so everyone is a bit unique, which is really good. You can really associate a person with a PFP. Um, coming up in the overworld, we have crafting, right? We have you have your jetpack and your boots and your gun. You have all these different assets that you can craft in the so you collect NFTs, then you burn them, then you meet new ones. And this interaction is very we work three, but thanks to our uh, integration with Immutable X Passport technology, we are able to offer a seamless experience to web 2.0 players. So one of the main issues that we foresaw with having NFTs included in any game, and is that if you interact with NFTs on a daily basis, you'd know that Every time you want to do something with your NFT, you have to interact with your world. You have to, you know, if you're using a browser, you'll have a pop-up, maybe MetaMask, maybe that MetaMask would go to your Trezor, like it's a, it's a lot of fiddling around. Now, imagine you are walking around the virtual world and you see a very very Illuvial and you want to capture it. So you prepare your shard, which is what you need to capture in Illuvial and instead of having an amazing cinematic moment where you throw your shard at the allureal and you might win, you might not, will capture or run away, instead of having this super immersive experience, instead, you get the pop-up saying, hey, you need to sign this transaction, get your treasure up, take your pin in, and then you you look at the screen and something might happen, but the immersion was already broken. So we were really looking at, we asked ourselves again and again, how do we make sure that the experience that we offer players 3.0 3.0 players or 2.0 players, it doesn't matter. Any player wants to enjoy the game. A web 3.0 players might be okay with, you know, signing a transaction, but they won't enjoy it. A web 2.0 players would go like, I'm out of this. What is this crypto nonsense? I'm not having any of it. So removing this friction was such a huge point from day one. And thankfully um, the passport technology allows us to do exactly that. So. I'm going to label it as magic because I don't want to go too deep into the tech, but it abstracts away all of this complexity and allows us to allows our player to interact with their wallet in a frit- frictionless way, so that they can enjoy our game. And the beauty of it is that Web3.0 players would understand what was going on behind the scenes with the wallet and everything. Like this, this is fine. They, they know what's going on. They're technically technically savvy. Web 2.0 players, on the other hand, can completely ignore the fact there is a wallet there. From their point of view, they can just think of it as like, Hey, this is my in-game inventory. And, you know, it might be backed by NFTs, whatever these might be. It might, there might be a wallet involved. They don't need to be familiar with any of these terms, because from their point of view, they're playing a game and that game is fun and that game is exciting and beautiful. And it's a Web 2.0 game until they decide to just make it into a Web 3.0 game and realize they have a wall. Amazing.
0: Um, You mentioned something, um, talking about like burning and minting NFTs. And in my mind, I just thought about like, uh, maybe uh, like embedding uh, the player progression through that mechanism, for example. Is that something that you guys do or do you have any dynamic NFT progression or, or is it something in the works?
1: So this is part of an active conversation that we're having. There are uh, costs, um, sometimes technical when it comes to NFTs, sometimes very monetary costs um, about NFTs and how you update them. There are some conversations to be had about what can a player expect when they get an NFT? I mean, a lot of them would expect a lot of things to not change. And when something does change and some don't, they might confuse a player. They might no longer understand what's going on and what is actually theirs and what's not theirs. So we are looking at solutions. Um, at the moment, there is some centralized progress tied to an NFT. Um, and we're looking at what would yield the best player experience, whether changing the status of the NFT, is that what players want, or is that not what they want? And um, it's still at an exploratory stage. We are putting effort towards all approaches and we'll see where that particular conversation lands. But it's definitely something that we're looking into.
0: Amazing. Um, you mentioned that the NFTs or the assets are, like can be moved from one game to the other. And um, I would like to pick your brain about, like a lot of people are talking in the industry about this interoperability uh, being something that I would potentially bring my board ape into an Illuvium ecosystem. I personally think that we're potentially far away from that, but is it something, part of your vision to be interoperable with external systems or is the vision really to build a system that is kind of uh, like, completely uh, close to the outside but has multiple interoperable components inside
1: so I think that I can't argue about how far away we are from that as, as a community I think that currently people build a little bit in isolation and they don't necessarily think about the longer term plan of full interoperability and that's fine I think that for us as well, it's blockchain, it's gaming. Those are two very dynamic industries. Projects take a long time. Good projects take even longer. So I feel like we, we definitely know we want this interoperability in the future. It's definitely something we'd love to have as soon as we can. But currently, it's a sticky note on the board somewhere. It's not something we're actually working towards. But what we want to do is to really work out what that might look like. And the best way to do it is obviously what's called dogfooding, right? In technology, when you use your own product, not to see what it's like, the term is dogfooding, and that's what we're doing here. By creating multiple games that have interoperable components, we know what it feels like. We go, hey, this experience isn't great for our developers. Or isn't great for our players, and hopefully by doing this internally, we'll get a process where maybe we'll be able to easily say, "Hey, any game that wants to be interoperable, Illuvium, just you know follow this tutorial, follow this guide that we publish because we understand what it takes, and hopefully that will lower the barrier of entry for interoperability." We obviously, you know, we're practicing what we preach, and we want to have this in all of our games. But we acknowledge the fact it's difficult to have externally, but far from impossible. And it's definitely the vision. Amazing. Um, Us
0: at Economic Design, obviously, uh, we focus a lot on um, Web3 economies and token economies and token design. So uh, the next few questions will be focusing on the economic side of things. The first um, days of the uh, let's call it Game Five, because a lot of people are trying to shy away from that term today, uh, are gone. Obviously, Axie Infinity uh, made the whole industry super popular. uh, Although they were not the first ones uh, to explore these uh, mechanisms, but just to summarize it, they kept minting a token out of thin air and giving it as a reward to a group of people just for playing a game. has proven not being sustainable. How are you approaching the uh, monetization as well as the revenue sharing with the uh, Web3 gamers? And uh, how how many things did you learn from the mistakes of others like Axie Infinity, for
1: example? So I just want to say that while it is important to learn from all mistakes, I think it's super important to just remember that just because something wasn't implemented in the best possible way. doesn't mean it was wrong. I think that what Axie did, if nothing else, was successful for a period of time, right? It got a lot of people, it got a lot of buzz. It had a very impressive ecosystem. Now, what happened to it at some stage? You know, was it preventable? I think that you can learn from everything, and keeping an open mind is so important. With that being said, yes, printing NFTs, left, right, and center is uh, if you don't design your token, if you don't design, if you don't look at your economy and say, sure, if something comes in, something must come out. Otherwise, it will inflate. This is not crazy complicated. And I think a lot of people are doing a very, very good job. If you look at white papers around, just people's ideas as to how to keep Systems in balance. We have a lot of creativity in the space, and we're very lucky that people are going, you know, full med scientists on the white papers. I love it. So, bring it back to Oblivion. We have a couple of ERC20s at the moment. So, we have the ILV, which is our governance token, and it's super important. We are keeping it completely separate from our game tokens and game economies. ILV is very much an Illuvium. It's like the high-level ecosystem studio token. People can't use it to purchase things. This is not how we want it to be used. Um, ILV is used for governance. As time will progress, Illuvium is a DAO and over time it will be more and more apparent just how decentralized our decision process is. So ILV token holders would be able to impact the direction that the Illumium studio is taking in a very meaningful way. Even now, every major decision is being raised as an IP and token holders can vote on it. And for this to be meaningful, for the holdings to be meaningful, we're we we're, we're not just gonna start minting infinite LVs. In fact there is a final supply for LVs. This is all about oh, all this is all very public. This this is the beauty of three People can see for themselves what, what is going on. And right now, again, most people have the LVs they can stake for the ILV or rewards. Um but the goal here is in the hopefully not very long term is for Albi to also be used for revenue distribution so by you holding this Albi token, you're eligible to get part of the revenue that the studio is generating which, you know, you put on the hard yards now, you suffer with us as we are toiling night and day but soon our gains would start making a profit and the holders would be able to benefit from it and share it with us, sure we can share it with Dan. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry.
0: I, I was going to say is, uh, that's cool. So the ILV token is uh, the main governance token, and uh, it will have a revenue share component uh, in the future when the games will be actually generating profits.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well cool. So the other token that we have is SLV2, which was used early on as a staking reward. So players could stake the token as a show of confidence and they get rewarded with SLB2, which is used for purchasing assets on our store, for example. We commit to allowing it to be used. Now, SLB2 as the same in value to ILB, and it can be used in soft ETH for purchasing assets. So these are the two meta tokens if you'd like for our ecosystem and then in our games themselves um, there'll be some ERC-20s that are used for in-game currencies and these in-game currencies are meant to just be used for utility Um, we're hoping that they won't be too speculative because that's not what we want for the market we want them to just be used as a fun way of interacting with blockchain
0: amazing so these uh, specific game tokens are means of exchange in the end. So they 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 are what those games uh, rely on to allow people to exchange goods or, or or NFTs in the end,
1: right? Yeah, and it's one of it's another one of our ways to just increase interoperability. So you might play Illuvium Zero as city builder game and build a fuel pump and generate some fuel, which will be an ERC twenty token. And then a player who would want to fuel the spaceship and travel to a distant land in the overworld would buy that fuel of you. And then we just created this link between these two games where you go like, oh, those two things are now connected. And we want to have more and more of these interactions, which, and as I said, we're trying to explore different ways of interacting. And that's just one of them of like, yeah, cool. Let's generate one thing here that has no utility in this game, it has a utility in another game, so you port it over.
0: Perfect. Um, I remember the early days, unless I'm completely wrong, uh, you guys were also using ETH, uh, the token itself, uh, to a certain extent,
1: right? So well, we're still using ETH in our store. We allow players to buy assets, um, such as disks, so the beyond um, containers that contain the uh, NFTs. These are possible by ETH. Um, we had a land sale a um, couple of years back and that also allowed players to pay with either ETH or SLV2. But in our game system, the goal is to abstract this away and for the game themselves to not use ETH directly.
0: All right, cool. Um, so perfect segue to my next question, which is, what is Illuvidex? Uh,
1: so Illuvidex is a bit of an umbrella term, and it is what we call our web app because it's, you know, our decks and where are Illuvidex seems like a great idea. Um, it's where we host our um, events, our sale events. So Beyond is a seasonal game. We have different sets and different waves and different uh, promotional sales. These are all housed inside the deck now the deck also allows you to it also houses a secondary market so if you want to trade your assets sell them, buy some you're looking for a very specific iluvitor um, to slave in a very specific slave of your album that's where you go it's a very clever web app it gives you a lot of ways to sort and filter and it also And provides you with a lot of statistics about history and pricing. And the reason why we we build our own deck is that Mm. Illuvium is built primarily on Immutable X's L2. And that's not as supported by, say, OpenSea. So we couldn't just leverage OpenSea as a third party marketplace. Uh, so we decided to create our own, which was a great decision because it's very pretty. Um, but it also gives us gave us a sort of base operation. People know where to go. They go to the Ludvix to purchase the item, to look at things like we we our players know that they can always come to our ecosystem for anything they want to do, and that's very powerful. Not sending our customers away saying, "Oh." You want to do some operation? Go somewhere else. We don't do this. We really decided to support our players in whatever journey they want by including everything on our side and building our own decks. Um, Over time, the decks might evolve to include other services to do with our other games. Um, But yeah, the decks is just our players' home on the web.
0: So... um, a lot of games rely on UGC uh, to kind of decentralize even uh, other aspects of the creativity around uh, certain aspects of the game. Um, is that something that you guys are playing with? Is that something that is on your roadmap? Can you tell us about like how UGC and Illudium uh, are kind of connected or completely disconnected?
1: So, technically speaking, in, in a very broad sense, we have very strong art team. So usually, uh, I'm assuming people, so people here you just see, and I think someone creating some art or designing something. And those are the things that we as a studio are very good at. We have great designers. We have great game designers. We have a lot of art assets. So this is what we would like to keep in-house for now. But with that being said, we're super community-driven. Our Discord is quite populated and very, very active. And people's ideas is what we take on board. It's what we listen to. You might not be able to create an Illumita as an Illuvium like Discord member, but you will be able to come up with proposals. You will be able to dictate the direction of the game. You will be able to do all these things which, I mean, I don't know where, where you draw the line at what content is, but you can impact the game itself, even if not individual assets in it. With that being said, I think that there are a lot of things we can do and want to do, um, especially around balancing. And we would love for this to be a more community-driven effort. So while you might not be able to decide that an exorcist should have four or instead of two, you might very well be able to say, "Hey, I think that this attack is too weak, or this ultimate is overwhelming," and allow um, and and just propose some changes to the balance in such a way that would be incorporated into the game. Um, Those sort of pipelines are something that we want to make much more frictionless and allow our player base to really dictate what's going on on the screens in-game. I think the other aspect where we're currently laying into user-generated content is in Beyond. So, sorry, in Illuvium Zero. In Illuvium Zero city-building game, People can build what's called mega cities, um, which just means that they own multiple plots of lines which are next to each other. And it's funny because this sort of very simple concept leads to a lot of um, community interaction and people following like who owns this, who owns that. There is a lot of conversation or discussion, and all of this buzz, which again, I don't know where you draw the line at content or user-generated content, but all this buzz is coming from the community. That one's driving it. So I reckon as a community, uh, there is a lot of um, that can really impact our game, but it's, at a high, it's currently at the high level and not at the asset level. And that is done simply because we're very lucky to have the teams that can support this without the need for reliance on the community.
0: So technically, Illuvium Zero is a UGC game in the end because people are, are using the assets to build cities and ecosystems. So that is that is one way of using um, the users to create something that you don't have to control to uh, to 100% of, of what it is. Yeah.
1: I think that if you ask all five players to take screenshots of the city, now two would be the same. Perfect. Yeah. Um,
0: he did a great job not uh diving into um the future of Illuvium. Uh so I think it might be time now to tell our audience about uh what is the vision moving forward? Uh where where is Illuvium going uh based on your knowledge
1: of today? So we are at the great point right now where we're moments from going live. And hopefully that will happen very soon, early next year. And for the first time in a long time, people will be able to just see what Inuvium truly is. We'll have multiple products out. They'll be interconnected. We'll have offering for web 3.0, offering for web 2.0 players. And we'll see what, and as I said earlier, All five games can be extended in a thousand different directions. Sure, there is a lot going on in them. But if you look at anything, you can always improve on it, build up on it. If you're looking at Beyond, we can have more sets and more alluvials. If you look at the Overworld, we can have more worlds or more interactions. If you look at Arena, we can have more game modes. So we will be at the best point in time because we'll be live. We'll get real user feedback. And we'll use that to decide what's next. We'll see what the market likes and what it doesn't like. And do they want us to, in- to iterate on one of our games? We can do that. If they want us to create a new game, we would love to do that for a gaming studio. Um, hopefully, um, depending on the reception, the team size might increase and we can do all of the above. But the future is... In short, whatever the community would want us to do, whatever the DAO, whatever, you know, people would vote on this and they'll decide on what's next. But it can be so many different things. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but we can do anything we set our mind to do. We obviously have the resources. I think people would see that we're able to produce these games and I think it would generate a lot of goodwill with our community and the Web3 community. Web three community in general, um, I think you'll find that there are always, you know, the haters who doubt will go live, and the sooner we, ca- we get to go live, you know, with the open beta behind us, with all these products we've already delivered, they don't have a lot of uh, ground to stand on claiming that we're going to disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow. So I think it would just be really, really good to finally say, yeah, we're out, we're here, look at what we've done, what are we doing next? So personally, I think that we're likely to iterate on our products first and add more features to them. Um, But I think that in the medium term, we'll have to start thinking, what's the next game or what is the next big collaboration? Amazing. And by the way, the haters will always be there, so it wouldn't be. Oh, they'll always they're always on Discord, and I I think it takes a lot of self restraint because sometimes you know you go on Discord and you see some criticizing your work, and sometimes it's annoying, and sometimes it is so silly. They go like, "Yeah, no, this video is fake." Like, you can download the game right now and play it. Like, what? Like, you can verify it's not fake right now what 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 do you want they want to hate that's what they want so
0: yeah, all oh, good well, we we we'll take the hate anyway cuz they'll always be there and uh they make they make us actually as an industry um really aware of like uh what we're doing where we're going and then just like stick with our first principles and don't don't just like hesitate because someone doesn't like or says the video is fake or the game is really bad or whatever, like, they they will always be there. Um, It was a very interesting uh, conversation we had. I wish that we had more time to, like, I think we can go forever. Uh, Do you have any final words for, for our audience out there?
1: So, I just want to real quick revisit the point you made about games going to market too quickly. And I just want to say it's okay. Web 3.0 gaming, those are tough ecosystems. If you're a developer out there, if you're a designer out there, if you are a game designer, if you are anything in this space or any space, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to go live quick. It's okay to do something quickly and see if it works. Whatever happens, don't dissuade yourself. Don't lose hope. Go be creative, go produce something, whatever it is, and just go do it. Like, I'm so for it. And I think that as an industry, we shouldn't judge people too harshly when they fail because of optics, because they might give people a bad name. Like, let's all, you know, take a deep breath and assume that people did the best they did, the best they could based on the information they had and what they wanted to achieve and just give people a bit of benefit of doubt and so- or creators, even when they don't succeed. Super
0: inspiring. Thank you very much, Iremar. It was a pleasure to have you on this uh, episode of economics design podcast. Yeah. And I hope that next time we talk, it's going to be to announce the lounge of the Illuvium Overworld. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. And to our audience, thank you again for listening in or watching the video here on YouTube, and then don't forget to subscribe and follow us thank you very much uh itamar thank you very much alluvium and then bye for now